You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey, Mitch! On today's episode of Hey Mitch, I have with me Rachel Quirky Shank. I was had the pleasure of being on her podcast, Screen Snarks, uh, just a couple weeks ago, and now she is returning the favor and coming on to my show. Welcome. Hey, Mitch. Thank you for having me aboard. No, thank you for being here. I I had a, a, an amazing time on your on the two of yours podcasts, and uh, I wanted to ask, like, you know, what was it? How did you come up with the the idea for that podcast in particular? Oh, yeah. Uh, So with Screen Snark, uh, Matt and I actually tried to start that podcast a year before we really started it Um, because we we both loved podcasts and and Matt was working on his two music shows, uh, Crash Chords and Crash Chords Autographs. Uh, and it was just kind of like, you like movies, I like movies, we should do a podcast about movies. Uh, and we got a friend of ours who was working on a feature film to come be a guest. And we talked to him about sort of like his process, you know, like stuff that he likes. Uh, and then, you know, life is the thing that happens while you're making plans. And we never <laughs> set a date for a second one uh, until much later. And then... When life sort of settled down, I, I pinged Matt and was like, hey, I got time to do that podcast now. Do you want to do that podcast now? <laughs> and so uh, we we sort of set the format of it's the last movie that you've watched. Let's talk about it. You know, uh, just like that idea of like, how do you organically live your life and what do you consume uh, throughout it? You know, because I think a lot of podcasts do have the premise of we're all going to watch this movie together and talk about it in particular. But I think it's kind of a fun, you know, conversational feeling to just get in and in the middle of someone's life. Like what, what, what's bringing you joy? What, what did you select to do with your, with your precious time on this planet? And, and how many things do you feel like you've watched because of the show as opposed to if you would have watched without the show? Uh, I don't think I've gone out of my way to watch anything in particular to go to the show. Uh, I will say I I do watch with more frequency because there there have been plenty of moments where I know we have a record date coming up and I haven't watched anything particularly new since the last episode. And I'm like, oh, I got to watch something. What what should I what should I watch? Um, there was that one movie, so it is kind of a, a point of inspiration to to have that deadline of I got to sit down and talk to somebody, and I can't talk about Spider Verse again because <laughs> I've already talked about that one so much. <laughs> no, I think you can always talk about Spider Verse. It's it's it is legally allowed. Yeah, it, I mean it's the best movie. It is. It really is ever. Maybe <laughs> ever. 
Maybe I mean, ever. Maybe ever. <laughs> maybe ever. Yeah. Now, it's not the only show you do, uh, correct? You 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 have other podcasts. No, as well. I do. I have one other podcast called The Infinity Podcast. Uh, and that is a show that I co-host with uh, YouTuber Patrick H. Willems and actor Scott Thomas. Uh, the three of us sit down every single week and we talk about pop culture through the lens of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, so that's a very interesting premise. Now, how exactly does that format work out? Like, how how do you how do you uh, talk about new music through the lens of the the Marvel Cinematic U- Universe? Uh, well, it's definitely a lot of tangents and uh, leading back to how something is like the MCU. For instance, one take that we've had is. Taylor Swift is a lot like the Marvel Cinematic Universe because she is a brand with an ever-evolving lore. You know, it's not so much that she is one thing. She just sort of kind of is like growing through, you know, or or you could you could talk about uh, like I on an episode in in our discussion of Infinity War, because we went back and we rewatched it, how Infinity War is the precursor to Trolls World Tour. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm not the only one who has this take, but there are a lot of, like, weird similarities between Trolls World Tour and Infinity War. You have this, like, focused leader who's trying to get six ancient artifacts together to change the way the world works. So, you know, in, like, in small ways like that. Uh, so a lot of it's just... We tangent, we tangent, and then somehow, some way, through some miracle, we can tie it back to the MCU. Because the MCU is kind of this weird decades-long monoculture. You know, so many things are happening with it and around it. And I think so many entities are trying to sort of, like, catch that fire in the same way. So it's it's interesting to sort of discuss whatever and go, yeah, and then... Bringing it back to Netflix's Daredevil somehow. And what is the most wild out there connection that you've made so far, that if you can oh. remember it, oh, or that boy. comes to mind? I'm trying to think, because it's, it's definitely a lot of Calvin Ball. You know, uh, Scott Thomas and I used to work together on sort of like this improvised tour show, so like will often sort of bounce back and forth with ideas. And and Scott Thomas is the, the master of hot takes. And I wish I could archive every single one of his hot <laughs> takes about just anything. Um, but I'm trying to think about one that was particularly buck wild. I have a terrible memory. I'm so sorry. No, I, there's no I, reason I, to be sorry. Huh. With the the way that that particular show works, like, was there ever a fear that you were going to be like, I, I don't know how to connect this back or like we're going to run out of material? Or is it the, with your whole improv uh, background in, in in that way, you you never really had that concern? No. I, and usually the problem will be we get too involved in a pop culture topic Uh uh, for instance, our our first ever watch of Avengers Endgame 
uh, we got so caught up in talking about pop music that an hour went by and we hadn't even really touched the movie. So we had made a promise that we would only be an hour long show. So we wrapped up this episode put it out there and folks were so mad that we got back into another recording session and dropped a whole second episode the next day. (laughs) It was just one of those, like, have we gone too far? So, you know, it's, it's an ever evolving process with that one. We, we try and make a list of things that we want to touch on, you know, uh, a, a dissection of like clickbait articles that we call not a news is, as well as you know, recent releases in 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 music, in television, um, and just sort of like trying to understand sort of the pop culture landscape since the MCU has become such a a huge part of it. You know, like there was there was a time before this where cinematic universes in movies would have been laughed at. You know, like how did one Robert Downey Jr. flick kind of changed the landscape of how we're how we're watching movies or what is a a a cultural event, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it is something that is uh, amazing that how much it's relatable into so many different ways. Did yeah, you- and then of, and then of course with with Scott and Patrick, just like two of the most savvy individuals in the world. Like Patrick knows so much about film history. He he went to film school. You know, Scott Thomas is a working actor. So it's it's just this kind of weird alchemy, I guess. You know, and then I'm just there to make jokes. <laughs> like that's what I do. I'm just there to like take the piss out of it. <laughs> Well, what about? I'm sorry, are we allowed to curse here? Oh yes, go go right ahead. Okay, good. No problem. I, I, I said piss, and then I regretted it instantly. <laughs> uh, what about your, uh, so to speak, secret identity? When you're not podcasting, are you? Uh, were you in uh, film school too, or were you, you know, yeah, journalist? Uh, or? I I went to theater school. I moved to New York City nine years ago to be an actor, and instead, I became a podcaster, a comedy musician, a burlesque dancer, uh, uh, a wannabe game show host in my own mind. Uh, just I sort of fell into the path that there's a lot of ways to be a creative without having to necessarily follow the rules that were set in front of me as uh, as a as a as a girl shaped actor you know mm-hmm. so uh i'm i'm never i'm never far from the ideation that i will go back to acting but i definitely want to grow into roles i have a a love of the older actor actress like the things that they get to play outside of the typecast like young pretty ingenue like i never really resonated with that as as a young performer so you know just i'm just waiting to get good wrinkles so i can play fun ladies <laughs> do you have that one that one role that you really want to do like in particular like a something that yes. you know okay I would give my eye teeth to play Lady Bracknell in The Importance of Being Earnest. Okay. Very, yeah. very cool. It's 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 such a good play. And Lady Bracknell is such a weird character. 
Like, she's just this, like, old, rich, like, stuck-up lady, and I just love her. (laughs) Now, is that a particular play that you've seen multiple times? Uh, Yeah, I actually understudied uh, the two younger roles, Gwendolyn and Cecily, while I was in college. So I got to work as sort of a PA on that production, as well as understudy the two roles, and just hearing it again and again and again and again just it was always so funny it's just it's wild at his at his at his peak i'd say uh just mistaken identities farcical backstories lady bracknell saying a handbag it's great (laughs) it's great (laughs) now with uh the your you know often watching stuff have you watched the like i assume i know of one particular uh film adaptation but i assume there's more than one film adaptation of of the play have you seen any i haven't to be honest when i got the understudy role uh and this is this was my process for a lot of things when i was a young actor i wouldn't watch the movie versions of them i would just like stick with the script you know kind of let the adaptation be itself Mm -hmm. you know because i'm i'm really susceptible to influence like i listen to podcasts and like they go hey get this electric toothbrush or this box of clothes and i'm just like i'll do it i'm in (laughs) uh so i haven't i actually haven't watched a a filmed production of the importance of being earnest but lord knows i watched that production hundreds of times while i was understudying so i get it i got it it's locked fine so this is not a uh visual podcast people don't see it but in the the video behind you there is a wheel uh, of color and i assume that has to do with the idea of you wanting to be a game show host or being a game show host Uh, to be honest that is that is part of a a forever in progress project that i am that i am working towards so there's a a bit of a segment on the Infinity podcast because I am I am in no way a a film expert, a Marvel expert, a pop culture expert, uh, a history expert, or any type of expert. And oftentimes, when Scott and Patrick kind of go into a rabbit hole about something that I don't necessarily know, uh, I will go on Wikipedia and I will look it up <laughs> and I will read the Wikipedia article out loud. And it has been lovingly coined Rachel's Wikipedia Corner. So the spinning wheel is part of what hopefully could become a video series called Rachel's Wikipedia Corner, where I spin the wheel, I look up something that's on the wheel on Wikipedia, and then sort of like do something with it. I don't know. What. <laughs> I love Wikipedia. I think it's such a such a beautiful collaborative experience and even if everything isn't quite correct, I think the idea of just one person making that their only point of reference is just silliness and I love silliness. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh so when you're not uh you know on those particular podcasts what is what other uh creative outlets do you like to i mean you, you talked about acting you talked about yeah. you know uh music and musical theater and stuff like that so i mean what are your other creative outlets that you you love to pursue uh outside of acting uh i i oh gosh um so 
We're on a bit of a hiatus, uh, not just because of the current situation, but also uh, my my bandmate moved across the country uh, last year and just got back and is sort of like resettling to life. But I was uh, part of a two-member comedy band called Afterbirth Monkey. So writing silly music, uh, definitely very raunchy, not safe for work stuff. Uh, and just sort of like trying to, again, take the piss out of things, you know, and it's, it's a therapeutic way to take things that feel really big and make them very small. Mm, okay. That's very interesting. People can go and listen to that online. Yes, they can. Uh, our band is called Afterbirth Monkey and we have two albums and I don't recommend the first one. It sounds really bad. It's called Man Dies Defecating, but the second one is a concept album and it's called Making a Beeline to Wasted and I love it. <laughs> sounds awesome. It's deeply inappropriate. So just be aware. It's it's all it's all butt jokes. <laughs> well, then all the way down. I'm definitely going out to listen to it right now. So as soon as we're done. <laughs> Um, when you're, um, when you were starting out podcasting though, what was the biggest surprise, I guess would be the best way to do it. Like, did, did you ever, did you ever come across something like, Oh, I didn't think that I would have to deal with something like this. Hmm. That is a great question. Uh, I guess I didn't realize how much. I would love it. You know, like okay. I, I've listened to tons of podcasts and I've done, I've done so many different creative endeavors, stuff that I thought that I would love for my whole life. But it's kind of this one that, that I, that I put so much in and it gives so much back to me in a way that I never expected. Like I've, I've been part of the comedy scene and like that scene is just so much giving and giving and giving for like, just a fraction of it back, you know, like, don't get me wrong with getting a laugh from an audience is a feeling that I cannot quite describe, but it is, you bust your ass so much to get like one thing from it, you know, like you're going out, you're, you're doing the late work, you're networking, you're, you're spending your time, you're, you're traveling everywhere, you know, like you're trying to like fine tune and, and, and punch up as much as you can. And then you get like one laugh and it's great. And like, I love that sort of feeling of being in the moment that, that ephemeral, Ten, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. But like with podcasting, it's putting so much in and feeling like so much is coming back to you. You know, like if it's listeners, just like sending an email and saying how much what you're doing means to them or that you, your, your take about something is like absolutely on point, you know, like I've never felt so connected in this like weird space that's the internet. I guess that's what's the is the most surprising of just like this huge amount of connection that I have with people I've never been in the same room with. Were you a uh were you an avid like social media user before podcasting? Not really. I used Facebook like a like a big diary, I guess. Uh and then once I started podcasting, I really started to lock into Twitter as a medium, uh, as a, as a, it, not a, not as a tool, but you know, like 
as a tool. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really fascinating to to build an audience and like be connected with them and to like watch more people sort of like find you and like at you or whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so no, I, I, I'd really only use social media as a platform to like plug shows, you know, and now it feels like I use especially Twitter as a medium to sort of like be out there, you know, to be weirdly vulnerable and really think about like the impact that something that I would say has, you know, and I take, I take great responsibility over things, you know, like I get angry, you know, who doesn't, you know, but it's, it's this weird experience to not be censored, but to be humbled by social media, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to approach it as a, a, a gathering of people that like, share your opinions or don't. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I love it. It's also, come on, a like is a dopamine hit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Give it to me in my vein. And how do you feel as a, somewhat of a, you know, an internet personality, a, a podcaster, a uh, content creator online, stuff like that, how that Twitter itself or social media in general, you know, impacts or not so much impacts, but uh, how important it is to being a podcaster and stuff like that. Um, I would say that it's the it's the second shoe for me when it comes to podcasting because I think what is the the most impactful is the podcast itself. You know, like releasing on time at your scheduled time and keeping the content consistent. You know, I'm sure everyone who's making content has had that discussion of like consistency and, and release schedules and all of that. And to be honest, I think that is the, the, the larger portion of it. Cause like I'm still shit posting on Twitter and (laughs) people are still there, but you know, they wouldn't be there if, Screen Snark and the Infinity Podcast weren't first. Do you see yourself like? Do you schedule like posts on Twitter, like tweets? I should oh, say. Oh God, no! Okay, no, <laughs> no. I, I, I could probably do a lot more with social media if I if I really thought about it. But mostly, I'm just like, here's an avenue where people can talk to me. Also, turnips. Do you want to <laughs> buy some or sell some? Let me let me know. Hey, this is. This is for Animal Crossing as well. <laughs> you know, it's so funny is that all my feeds are so full of Animal Crossing at the moment. I, I honestly don't know anything about it. I don't play. And when we were on your show and you guys brought that up at once at one part, I was just like, I don't have anything to contribute at this <laughs> at this time. So- it's okay. It's. It's my whole life. It's fine. Don't <laughs> it's, worry about it. It's not it. just you. It's 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 a lot of people's whole life at this point. It's it's the it's this thing that like changes and follows the time. You know, it's it's delayed gratification. The game and boy howdy, do we need some delayed gratification <laughs> right now? Like otherwise, it's just what do we do? What's today? I don't know what's happening. You know, there's like uh. Well, uh I know there's a bunch of names that keep popping up and stuff like that. And 
at one point I was on someone's Facebook post and someone said, well, what is it that Timmy and Tommy went to, to do or something like that? They, they retired to do or something like that. Now I'll, I, uh, my brain for, went straight to the Sandlot. I don't know how well you are versed in that I movie uh, or have not. not. Excuse me. <laughs> can I, can I go to Wikipedia? Yeah, go, go right ahead. And there's <laughs> no, a, I know, I know, I know of the Sandlot. Yeah. I've never watched it. <laughs> there's a uh, two characters that are brothers in that movie. They're t- Timmy and Tommy. And uh, at the end of it, you know, the movie has the these characters went on to do this. These characters went on to do that. And I, it's th- the, those two brothers went on to have a uh, contracting business or something like that. Huh. And I wanted to go in and comment that because I thought someone was genuinely genuinely asking. And then I real I kept reading more comments. I was like, oh no, this is a Animal Crossing thing. I I don't know. Yeah. I would have been I would have been dumb. <laughs> so. Is video games? I don't think I don't think you would have been dumb. I think you would have brought a different angle because Timmy and Tommy are characters from the Sandlot, and I'm sure somebody in that feed would have appreciated <laughs> your your Sandlot humor, right? And and probably would have been like, "Thank you for this. Thank you. I just I what are these raccoon children? I don't get it." Yeah, that yeah, it would have been me and that other person just. Having Sandlot conversation over and over. There you go. In the middle of an Animal Crossing feed. I would love it. I like this. Hypothetically, I like it. Uh, are video games another uh, thing that you have a passion for? Or is it just I, Animal Crossing? Yes, I, I have a passion for video games, but none skill at video games. Uh, I, have, I am a proud uh, Let's Play watcher and uh, a proud... Uh, girlfriend of someone who's better at video games. So I just sit and I watch. I'm like, hey, can I watch you play this? I just want to <laughs> see. Uh, I'm very lucky to have a partner that's willing to let me like sit in and and watch gameplay. Because I I I I think above all else, like if you if you strip away, like whether it's TV or movies or video games, like I really love story. I love the way people can craft a story from things, you know, like if it's like an eight bit game where you don't kill the enemies or it's a beautifully pixelated sandbox world where you're saving the princess, you know, I think that there, there's such beauty in the way that games are, avenues for stories and stories are are avenues to empathy and i i love to just like get into a story so while i'm while i'm not great at games uh firsthand i i love engaging with the tales that they have to tell no i i think i think that is that i i myself don't play a lot of video games i i i I don't have any hate for them. I, I love them, and most of my friends love to play them. I do particularly love them for their stories. I think they have some of the best writing uh, for stories where you also have to include that, hey, the player needs to be able to make decisions and stuff like that, so you have to incorporate that into the story. Um, I think that is the biggest problem we'll, we'll, we have at uh, adapting video games into movies because Absolutely. there's so much that uh, usually there's something left out that some fan or a huge swath of fans, you know, uh, usually does not appreciate. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I, 
I watched that Warcraft movie. I didn't I didn't play the video game, but I watched it. I was like, okay, this is this is okay. Like I, I didn't have any mm-hmm. issues with it, but all my friends that played that game were just like, they just left so much out and it was just terrible. I was like, well, I mean, that's a game that's pretty massive and they only had two hours, two and a half hours at the most to to, to put everything in. I'll sometimes yeah. go and like watch uh, you know, just the cutscenes on a YouTube, like someone has put all the cutscenes together and just oh yeah. Do that. yeah that's how i engaged with the deadpool game are you kidding me i was like <laughs> i'm just gonna watch all the cutscenes. now it's just like a really weird long deadpool movie i'm fine with this uh yeah someone's like here's all the narrative important things of the deadpool game uh but yeah i think it's just because gaming is such a lengthy and personal experience you know like i've never i've never played mass effect uh but I, I can I can see that, like, one person's shepherd isn't somebody else's shepherd, you know, and, like, trying to adapt something that is so deeply connected to an individual for a mass market is not a task that I would want to do, you know, because you're sort of taking something that one person sees one way and another person sees a completely different way and then building a canon that isn't either of them. I totally, I totally see the, the, the difficulty in adaptation for such things. Mm, Yeah. So when uh, you're not particularly creating content, when you're, you're, you're getting to take a moment to yourself, what is the, the thing that you are passionate about that you love to geek out about? And it doesn't have to be, movies or video games or anything that's you know uh usually labeled geeky if you if you Mm. are straight up into collecting stamps or you know horse training um i want to know about it hmm uh well in in this time of 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 social distancing (laughs) uh I've gotten into resin casting. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my partner uh, got some resin and I bought some D20, D6, like the whole like tabletop RPG molds. Okay. And we started making dice. And then from there, I got some like jewelry molds. So I started making resin jewelry. We're making dice. Uh, it's very sticky and very messy. Uh, and our items turn out all right. You know, the thing about resin casting is uh, bubbles are hard to get out if you don't have a pressure pot and Mm. we don't have a pressure pot. So right now we're just kind of doing it for the love of doing it. And then uh, it, it also comes back to our love of uh, tabletop role-playing games. You know, like we've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for a few years now. um, And then also, you know other other tabletop games like Monster of the Week. You know the 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 Star Wars RPG. You know it's it's another way to be creative without having it to sell. You know, like you're just with your friends. You know, having a few beers, rolling some dice, pretending you're magic. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm a big I'm a big believer in tabletop role playing games as bonding tools and 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 fun fun distractions okay. uh, 
Yeah, so, so making we, dice and using that dice to pretend <laughs> to be an elf. Now, when you're making dice, do you have to... I mean, I'm sure that you there was instructions and you read the instructions and stuff like that, but is there the possibility that you accidentally make them weighted so that they, you know, always roll to a certain side or, you know, they're lopsided or anything like that? Or, I mean, that's probably what has happened to our dice because of <laughs> air bubbles. Uh, but unfortunately that means they probably more than likely roll critical fails more than critical successes <laughs> because the, the 20 is on the bottom of our mold uh. and the one is on top. Uh, so like the air bubbles rise. So True. if anything, we've we've probably shot ourselves in in the proverbial foot with uh with with our with our our homemade dice. <laughs> so how many sets do you have now of homemade dice? Too many. Too many. Well, I mean, I would say every tabletop gamer says there's never too many dice, right? Yeah, but too many that probably will lead to critical failures. Uh, <laughs> too 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 many that are probably just decorative at this point. Uh, no, we probably have maybe like fifteen sets total. Awesome. Uh, not that many. I mean, we just started a couple months ago, but it's it's really fun and and weird to play with, like you know, different materials, mica powder. Made a really great set using a makeup highlighter. It turned to be like this, like really beautiful pearlescent sheen. You know, like how to how to make something look more matte or something to look more sparkly. You know, we've been playing around a lot, watching a lot of uh, dice uh, tutorials on YouTube. Boy, oh boy, there's a lot you can learn from just watching dice tutorials on YouTube. Really? And even more you can learn from the YouTuber, the Craftsman. Okay. Listen, here's a shameless plug for the Craftsman. Uh, incredible uh, maker. Just, they can make so many things. Like, I've watched them make 3D printed molds to turn into silicon toys. They can convert action figures into custom. They've done like they've played around with like drum machines. There's so much that they do and they're just like puppet avatar that talks to the the camera. (laughs) And then it's like hands after that. And they have this like soft comforting voice when they're talking about like all your materials. It's like ASMR meets crafting tutorial. It's, Maybe my favorite YouTube channel right now, The Craftsman. They do a series called Steady Crafting, and I love them <laughs> so much. I love it. I love it. In D anD D, what's your go-to character class? A bard. A bard. I love. Hey, bard is I'm my disgusting. go-to. I'm disgusting. I love. It's so hard to not be a bard in games because, like, you get to just sing and then magic happens and it's just like of course i want to do that i own so many musical instruments you can't stop me Uh, but yeah so that's that's my favorite but i'd say my favorite character right now in in a game is actually uh a modron sorcerer okay i'm not familiar with a modron sorcerer Ooh, uh so modron's are a hive mind 
creature that live on uh, the plane of order. Their god is Primus, and every single one of them is born with a purpose. They do their purpose. Sometimes they, like, shift up in the ranks and go from, like, a monodrone to, like, a duodrone to like a quadrone, you know, um, but all of their all of their functions are to maintain order for all of the multiverse. It's like their whole thing. Um, but sometimes uh, they the Modrons go on this march, and they march through all of the planes of existence. Like they just do it. I don't really know why. Nobody <laughs> really knows why, but they just do. And so my character patchwork. Uh, got lost on a Modron march and is now disconnected from their hive mind. And they're so curious and they're so fascinated by living beings. They have forgotten a lot of how the clockwork of the universe works, but they're still very like attuned to it. They're really cute. They also speak in, (laughs) uh, in, in the plural, we are patchwork and, I just love them. I love them so much. I drew them and they make me so joyful because they're so different from me. Like I'm so chaotic all of the time. Just like what is even happening? And to, and to play this very like orderly, sweet, fascinated character that is completely outside of, you know, my everyday realm. It's, it's a treat to get to pull them out of, out of the, the folder and, and be patchwork for a while. <laughs> that's i mean that's exactly what the game's supposed to be for right it's it's to take you out of your everyday life what is is that the particular character that you're playing currently uh one of them i am i'm playing a lot of characters in <laughs> a lot of different uh ongoing one shots because it's hard to do a one one shot with with dungeons and dragons uh but they're they're the they're the ones that are on a boat and sort of like sailing this like never ending sea and going to islands. So they're definitely the like adventure of the week kind of game that we're playing. And then I've got my long standing campaign where I'm one of the five heroes reincarnated, and we're doing a terrible job at being those. Like we <laughs> pretty much almost have ended the world multiple times. We're just the worst at our jobs it's great (laughs) are you so are you currently playing in this time of social distancing uh trying to we we got together for uh a side quest for some of our our orc characters because we also have orc characters because why not um but our main campaign has sort of been on a, a bit of a pause for for a, a bit of time, things got relatively dark in that campaign, like in a way that we're trying to sort of like see ourselves out of. Uh, like, I don't I don't think I've ever just like sat and played a pretend game so hard that I wept just openly, like wept, like just caught up in all of the the feeling of what's going on, the the darkness and the and the worry and the despair. So like we all just kind of went, we should we should back up from this one. Let's go do some silly ones for a while, but you can do that. It's yeah, it pretty, it's pretty staggering to me to, to think that you can, you can imagine with your friends so hard in adulthood that it like changes how you feel and, and who you are. Like I feel deeply changed by the arc we're on in that game. 
you know, like I just think about things a different way, you know. And are you are you playing are you playing these games like over some type of uh, video platform like uh, like Discord as we are now? Uh, Google Hangouts, Google Hangouts. Uh, is has been sort of our go to. Google Hangouts is just really nice because you just log on. You know, there really aren't too many like attachments you need to download. You know, it's it's easy enough to send a link and be like, hey, do this. Uh, We've also been screen sharing various like Jackbox games. You know, there's a there's a there's a software called Trivia Maker, and you can build your own custom trivia games or like Family Feud style games. Wow! So just trying to like keep it light, keep it exciting. You know, keep everybody feeling positive and playful. I think that's just kind of my my main mission right now is just to 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 keep the keep play alive. Yeah. You know, even if it isn't sitting down and like rolling our dice and and doing the math of our characters, but at the very least, like, let's play match game or something. (laughs) So, uh, podcasts are you, what podcast do you, do you like to listen to? What kind, what kind of content do you like to listen to? What specifically podcast do you listen to? Uh, definitely actual play podcasts. I cannot recommend uh, the McElroy Brothers project, The Adventure Zone, enough. Uh, it's three brothers and their dad. Uh, they start out playing Dungeons and Dragons as kind of a joke, but they're another one of those evolutions of the game that get them to a point where they're like emotionally affected by the characters that they've created and the world that they've that they've brought about together. Um, I found that through the Three Brothers uh, Comedy Advice podcast called My Brother, My Brother and Me. Um, and it's it's really just like a long kind of improvish game. So they'll get a question from either a listener or from Yahoo Answers, and then they'll just like go nuts with it. Like the advice is terrible, but the jokes are brilliant. Uh but yeah, they're just very silly, very sweet guys. Uh, it is it is often recommended if you are going to start with My Brother, My Brother, and Me, skip past the first hundred episodes. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, like, we're listen, we were all edgelords at some point, you know? <laughs> um, but they're, 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 three, they're three guys that have, like, found their way into an audience that, that, that helps them be better. You know, like a lot of, a lot of members of like the LGBTQ plus community listen to Mabim Bam. Like I've done a couple burlesque shows that were, that were themed around their family of products, including the YouTube channel Polygon. Cause uh, two of the brothers helped like found Polygon because they were games journalists as well. And just sort of like watching them listen to their listeners and grow from it. Like, you know, recognizing that maybe that joke that they made five episodes ago was in bad taste and to try and be better and be more inclusive and think about the audience that's around you and 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 honoring and respecting their journeys and their experiences. I think that they're just really, they're really kind-hearted souls and also just funny as hell like i can't i can't believe how many times i've just laughed out loud on the subway train at some <laughs> dumb shit one of those McElroys said can't believe it uh but yeah so 
you know, like keeping it, keeping it comedic, you know, uh, I also like lore, uh, which is a podcast all about folklore. Uh, again, I love stories <laughs> and I love the way that Aaron Mankey like crafts these bits of our like weird, odd history into kind of like spooky colloquial ghost stories where it's like, typhoid mary is a real person but like the way that aaron Mankey conveys the story of typhoid mary even if you know exactly what happens to her like how she is left in quarantine for most of her life just like how like his like background music and the timbre of his voice like is evocative and like builds you into like this sense of unease and and like titillation uh but yeah, you know, again, back to back to the stories, you know, I like the ones where you you get a snapshot of a time or an experience of something. Uh, you can't you can't keep stories away from me. I just love <laughs> them. I just like I want to do all the stories. Did you happen to watch Amazon Prime's uh, adaptation of Lore? The- I watched the first season and it is not as good as the podcast, it but it's fun. <laughs> I think it's an interesting way to reconfigure a podcast. I will say the better version of lore is the midnight gospel. That is very good at the moment. It's uh, it's up there. <laughs> I can't like, I, I watched that all the day it dropped. I watched it all. I just, I, I, I put it all in, 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 in my brain <laughs> and it's, it's such an odd experience that it that it is it is it is uncomfortable to look at at moments but so comforting to listen to just the entire second episode where they're they're going through the like the the slaughterhouse talking about like the impact of like this person's deity and how like they find comfort in Christ. And I'm just like over here being an atheist and I'm just like, Holy shit. Like (laughs) I can't believe that you're, you're talking about this thing that I don't believe in, but like, I believe in you believing in it. It's, it's such a, it's such a pleasurable upsetting experience. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, do you ever do you tend to or do you listen to uh podcasts that are similar to the ones that you do? Not really. No. Uh I I I'd say the closest that I've gotten to something akin to what Screen Snark is would be like how did this get made or maybe worst idea of all time, but I think that there's there's so there's so many wonderful podcasts out there that that dissect one movie or, you know, like it, like a genre of movies. And, and I, I don't, I'm too fickle to like lock in on one thing in the same way that, that they do. And I, and also like, they're already crushing it, you know? Um, but yeah, I think that like podcasts about movies are really fun, but again, I'm so, again, I'm so susceptible to things (laughs) that like, I think if I listen to podcasts like that, now that I do a podcast similar to that, I would be very influenced. Like if you listen to the first few episodes of Screen Snark, I think I dropped Lindsay Ellis's name like so many times because like (laughs) I was watching a lot of her at the moment and 
it just so happened we were talking about movies that she had covered. And I was just like dropping her takes. And I, I tried to not do that anymore. So I'm trying to like stay away from that and, and not, and I don't want to say like stay pure, but like stay uninfluenced right. because boy, oh boy, I am, I'm, I'm a mark to be sure. <laughs> like you can just <laughs> say stuff to me and I'm like, yeah, I totally get that. Uh, so yeah, but like, I, I loved those podcasts when I was listening to them, but I, I fear to go back to them in the event that we cover the same thing. And then I'm just like, so tempted to like say jokes or takes. And I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a stealer. I don't want to do that. There you go. So I asked you earlier if you'd ever watched anything, like found yourself watching something for the show. Did you ever watch anything because of the show? Like uh, one of your guests came on and talked about something or Matt talked about something and you just like, oh, I need to go out and watch that now. Yes. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Any one particular thing in I recently watched The Invisible Man. Ooh, it was a good one. Uh, because Scott Thomas was raving about it. Uh, just like going on about what a great film this was. And I'd heard a lot of positive reviews as well. Um, and it was it was something that I that I had on my radar to watch, but I definitely like kicked up its its place on the list because of like doing the podcast and like planning some things, you know, around it. So I guess the, the invisible man became homework that I was happy to, to do. <laughs> okay. Do you usually like, uh, those type of movies, like a horror thriller kind of movie? No, uh, I had a strict, no horror movies policy, uh, because I am, excuse me. <coughs> I had a strict no horror movies policy because I went to a haunted house when I was in like the fifth grade and got so scared by a guy in a scream mask with like this big noisemaker that I had a full fledged panic attack. Couldn't finish the horror house, like had to wait for my mom and my friends in the box office and was just like, nope. Not, I can't, I won't engage with anything that's spooky because that was horrifying. Like it was one of the worst experiences of my young life to be so petrified that I couldn't move. And then to be escorted by adults that I didn't know to like sit and wait for like my friends and my family to be done with this thing. Uh, so I'm I'm not a big fan of jump scares, <laughs> obviously, um, but I think horror is starting to do uh, more of like what it has done in its in its classic history. You know, like the the creeping dread and the horror movie as allegory for something. And I'm starting to engage with it more. Like I I I got into watching old Cronenberg movies, The Fly, The Thing, and was really like enamored by what it was saying with what it was saying you know the 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 feeling of like body horror and otherness and and the and the way that horror movies and and horror as a genre can really be a way to discuss social issues you know and of, of course I, I I saw get out in theaters because I 
heard great things about it. And of course, I, I love Key and Peel. I just thought that they were brilliant. And so, you know, like I had that sort of in for it. And when it when it is something that is that is dreadful, not like dreadful in its creation, but dreadful in its in its 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 core, in its storytelling, I think that is very affecting and very wonderful. And I I want to feel dread. I don't want to feel anxious or worried in that a cat's going to jump out of the middle of nowhere. Right. It's going to be like triggered. Uh, so I think there's, I think there's a lot going on in the horror genre that like I'm starting to subscribe to, but I will, I will always skip the torture porn. Yeah. No, thank you. And, and you know, things like get out and us and, and invisible man definitely are the better side of horror where there's obviously it's an allegory towards other major issues in in society so it's 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 better when you know the horror movies do something like that yeah for sure uh you know like i what was it uh cabin in the woods is another really great example for me like that it is that it is dissecting a genre that i found unapproachable Mm -hmm. uh and to and to come to that piece and sort of like see that others also feel that way, you know, that there's a lot of commentary to be made about the sacrifice of youth and the the ideation of quote unquote virginity and, you know, like the 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 ways that that youth culture can be slaughtered, you mm-hmm. know, I thought was such a such a fascinating read on on the like the 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 young person like cabin in the woods genre so i think if you're gonna if you're gonna do something with your horror and not just blood and guts and 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 it's it's a cat it's a cat (laughs) it wasn't the ghost it was a cat because we we wanted to trick you um i never like feeling got by 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 cinema i like to feel engaged and not yeah yeah uh, so to steal a little bit from your show, yeah. outside of steal away, it's Midnight- all yours. Do my show too. I don't mind. <laughs> outside of Midnight Gospel, what's uh, the last thing that you f- watched to completion? Oh, the last thing that I watched to completion. Um, I actually haven't watched anything all the way through since Midnight Gospel, but I am knocking on the door of finishing a rewatch of Community. I love community so much. I love much. community so much. Are you <laughs> kidding me? It's it's the best show ever and I I cannot believe how well it stands up. Oh, and I cannot believe how bad season 4 is. Like <laughs> I knew season 4 was bad when I watched it, but I was in the like the height of the discourse around it where we were all just like really mad about Dan Harmon and really worried about the future of the show, but uh-huh. I cannot believe now that I have so much emotional distance from that, just how much of a shadow of the show season four, like how you can, you can logistically find why it isn't working and then watch an episode in like the next season. That is like the same idea as a season four episode, but like the execution of it is, is back and it feels like community. It's so weird how, how detrimental season four is to 
the the mechanics of community. So good. So, so but the but the show is so good. Like everything else is so brilliant. I just watched <laughs> the episode where they have the convicts in oh, the school yeah, yeah. Yep. on the on the rolling iPads. <laughs> that Yahoo series is is pretty great. It is. Like it, it's it's fun, you know, and it's also an interesting way to look at uh, the evolution of a show, you know, like characters leaving and new characters coming in and how that show kind of deals with it in in like this fun, like cheeky, winking and nodding way. But then you're just like, no, I love Paget Brewster. I wish she had been here the whole, the whole time. time. Yes. <laughs> oh, I just love Paget Brewster. I just love her so much. Great. I am a huge Paget stan. <laughs> And, you know, the very first episode when um, Joel McHale's character gives the whole speech about uh, Shark Week and how, you know, (laughs) uh, humans are the only animals that have Shark Week, that speech comes into my mind every time I think about uh, comedic actors, follow me here, comedic actors becoming great dramatic actors because... Because like I'm not not to fault any actor whatsoever, but like getting someone to cry with you is a lot easier than getting someone to laugh at you, right? Yes, it is. It is why you can see so many comedic actors make the jump to exactly. drama, and not as many dramatic actors make the jump to comedy. Because there's music in comedy, and it is it is something that you can absolutely learn. But it is it is. I don't want to say it is as hard as learning a musical instrument, but it is the same kind of skill set. Correct. Like the the rhythm, the 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 rest, the the whole like setting up and paying off is just it's it's a tough skill. Like absolutely, I I barely did it sometimes, <laughs> so I get it. It's hard. So then if uh if it's not going to be spoiling a upcoming episode of Screen Snark, what is the three words you would use to describe community? Oh boy. Without using the word community. <laughs> yeah. Um Oh boy. Um I I want to say quirky meta perfection, oh, but that. it's weird to say quirky when like <laughs> I'm tied to quirky, you know? But it is. It's very quirky. It's it very, very meta. Much is. Yes. It's very good. Like Maybe not perfection because season four, but like <laughs> brilliance, quirky meta brilliance. I, I love it. I love that. That is that is the best. Uh, so last question I want to ask you. It's a little. It's a little out there. It's a little. I'm glad. It's a give little me, different. Give me the weird ones. <laughs> it's a it's a question that we uh, I ask on this show sometimes. If I remember to ask it, sometimes I don't. But if you were to have one useless superpower. What would it be? And it has to be useless. Oh, oh I already have one. Oh. Uh, I am excellent at remembering lyrics in a freaky way. <laughs> like, I can hear a song a few times, and then I'm like, got it, locked it, done, know it. I'm I'm great for karaoke nights because it's just <laughs> like, I don't need that. Are you kidding me? I know all the words already. Yeah, no, I have a freaky talent for lyrics. That like, is awesome that is, it's it, absolutely useless and i hate it because i remember more lyrics than i remember life events <laughs> you know what and and you i you definitely win the award for uh answering that question the quickest i usually 
get long pauses. So bravo to you. Thank you. No, I've, <laughs> I've thought a lot about my my useless X-Men power. Because <laughs> really, it, 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 it does take up a lot of my, my brain processing power to be like, oh, yeah, all the lyrics to this song? Got it. Don't worry. It's like, what did I do last week? I have no idea. So what would, what, have you thought about what your X-Men code name would be then? As the the mutant that can remember lyrics to any song. Oh, oh boy. Um, ah, I was going to stump you at some point. <laughs> you know what? I got it. I'm going to go with Sunfly because I think Sunfly does the best karaoke tracks. Boom. I love it. Boom. <laughs> Why Sunfly? I don't because they do the best ones. Their version of Walking on Sunshine is the best. Their version of Teenage Dirtbag is the best. I love Sunfly. I also love that little like creature that always yep. shows up for the Sunfly tracks. I love them. <laughs> On that field of yellow right there in the back. <laughs> well, this has been an amazing hour. Thank you for coming on Thank the show. Thank you, Mitch. Please, please tell uh, the listeners where it is they can find you online. Yes, uh, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rachel Shank, uh, R-A-C-H-E-L-S-C-H-E-N-K. You can listen to my podcast, Screen Snark, and the Infinity Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find my old records if you want, but you really don't have to, uh, if you search Afterbirth Monkey. There you go. All those places. Make sure you check out those records because you know what she did put time and and amazing effort into it so i did i did but boy oh boy are they offensive (laughs) and if you feel offended i i do apologize and you are more than welcome to like hash it out with me because i have i've spent long hours feeling ashamed so don't (laughs) even worry if you're if you're grossed out i am too Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Nichipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. The rest of Geek Elite Media can be found on Twitter at Geek Elite Media, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out our website for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. But this has been Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.